it just starts is that <laughs> it's weird it's just there it's, it's suddenly just, just in your ear suddenly there was an episode i don't know what did you and hunter do i don't know what happens I, when i'm not around i don't i don't pay attention i don't even remember well this is how <laughs> this is how weird it, this is this yeah. is alex alex it sounds like i'm saying alex but i'm saying alex I know. this yeah, is how yeah. alex and i's show runs uh yeah this is a weird way to start things but we have another kind of funky week uh i'm here with alec what's up dude hey um and hunter is like in the middle of moving he kind of is moving suddenly um he was expecting to do it later and now he's doing it this week which is uh (laughs) unexpected so uh we're putting out another one of alec's uh fireside chats which is super exciting you 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 pre-recorded a few of these so we kind of just have a few Mm. in the hopper that we've been dropping in the feed when things go wrong but i'm i'm excited about it. the last one was with magi you guys talked a lot about you guys talked a lot about arborek which was funny we did. just kind of got we lost in the weeds arborek. yeah <laughs> we talked about arborek sardak a little bit we talked about uh a couple other board games which was kind of nice yeah yeah and uh, a lot of talk yeah. about uh day nine which you said was kind yeah. of your inspiration for even sort of wanting to like delve into doing that kind of content of like getting interviews and like diving a little bit deeper into strategy, which is, uh, what, yeah. it's funny that you bring that up because that was also like why I why we started this show. Like I used to also watch the Day Nine Daily and the original yeah. inception of this shows. Like what I used to put like on our bio stuff was that we would do similar. We would take a game and we would break down the beats and the moments of the game, and we've. We've never really done that, which is dumb and regrettable. And I kind of still want, I would love to go back and take streams yeah. and like put commentary spliced up, like pause the action and be like, let's talk about what's actually. And I think that's what people actually want. <laughs> Alec, you and I both have <laughs> much experience of commentating over players and being screamed at for it. So I think what everybody wants <laughs> is for us to let the players talk and then in retrospect, come back and play the video and then just talk when we can pause the video. I think that would be better yeah. for pretty much everyone. <laughs> and, and then we could skip past a lot of boring stuff. We should we should actually make that happen. Yeah, exactly. We, we get to have, uh, you don't get to know what we're leaving out because you don't get to even hear that we left it out. That sounds perfect. <laughs> that, that's going to be our next new project. But this time you had uh, Farganess and Xenofeline who are, for people who watch our like tournament videos, maybe slightly less known, except for in Xenofeline's case, but they don't know him by this name. So who, who are these two people and why did you sit down with them? Uh, so Fargonis is pretty active on the Discord yeah. channels, um, and his sons, you know, Feline. Their their real names are Alex and Ryan, which we use in the in the episode because real names I think are or better, just better when you're talking <laughs> to people. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, Alex has been a pretty big fixture of the community for a while now, and he and Ryan were both at Gen Con, and we all got a chance to mm-hmm. meet. That was really exciting. And Ryan actually made it to the finals of the the Gen Con. Yeah. So if you and remember watching the coverage, the the young scrappy lad who sent all of his fleet into <laughs> the gravity rift and lost most of it. That's one Alex, of the most. Or that's Ryan. Most, sorry. And uh, yeah. and yeah. So I, and I'm sure you guys hit hit on that topic a little bit. Um, I'm I'm excited we do, for yeah. it. Um, but we're also going to do some rundown at the top so that we can get right into roots. Uh, 
I, I'm still doing that. I want to call you Alec, but I got I, for we, two years. I like exclusively called you Root. <laughs> can we just make public what what this was originally going to be? Sure. Because I, yeah. I think people need to know. Yeah. That originally this series of interviews was going to have a really great name, and and Matt, it, it wasn't <laughs> even know, my idea. It. <laughs> it, 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 a, it wasn't my idea. It was yours. Yeah. And B, you're also the killer of the. I'm the idea. one who took it away. I um, give I give the gift and I take it away. <laughs> But just an offhand comment you made one day when we were talking about doing this, as you said, it should be called Getting to the Root of It. Yeah. And it was perfect. It's a really and good I name even, for that series. But then I was like, oh, man, but we like we literally had just started doing Root coverage. And so I was going to yeah. have lots of episodes with Root in the title. And I was like, man, I'm going to just start confusing people. And this yeah. show is already confusing. <laughs> we only talk about two <laughs> things and we do it so inconsistently and poorly and, and i like no <laughs> i even recorded an intro using that name yeah. for the magi episode and i had to go back and, <laughs> and change it and re-edit it i'm just <sighs> adding work for everyone it could have it could have been so great but hey fireside chats are cool too fireside, fireside chats are great and it, it I, I love your outro on that too of just like <laughs> just, just pour yourself another glass it's great i love it <laughs> Um, so anyways, let's do some rundown right at the top so that we can just get into the rest of Alex's uh, interview with Xenofeline and Farganess. I want to thank our Space Kitties and our Weird Bears, Farganess, Brian, Billy, T.G. Welch, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Polyphony Requiem, R-Wise, Hippie Peace Turtles, Gaskio, Dark Jutsu, More Tension, Bot Bot, and Absol. I want to thank all of our Patreon, uh, patrons at any level. Uh, some stuff on this calendar that's coming up. I think we're adding uh, a poll for the August Hunter Donaldson fan club stream, which will be a stream post move, which means Hunter will be near me, which gives us actually some interesting leeway to potentially plan some in real life streams. That's pursuant to Ooh. whether my baby lets me. I don't know. The old the old ball and baby bottle uh, won't let me outside as much this very often. But uh, here, here's some of your Hunter Donaldson fan clubs. What I love about this is last time uh, when you and Hunter were doing this, you sprung a bunch of Galactic Council episodes on me, and the one that is almost definitely going to win was like a thing that I never approved. So we're gonna, <laughs> you and I now are doing the same thing to Hunter. So these are a bunch of things Hunter doesn't know he's gonna have to stream, but I'm going to make him do. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of what will happen when the two of you decide to get revenge on me. <laughs> Yeah, you you're gonna have the worst uh, the worst stream of all. It'll be it'll be your next fireside chat, but we're gonna make you like interview Ginger for four hours or something. <laughs> Not that Ginger's a bad person, but he will talk forever, and you will have to you'll have to stick with him because uh, he he goes, man, he goes. I Our interview with quit. him for the for the tournament, I think we cut it in half, and it was still like very long. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, your, your fan club uh, options right now are a three-player game uh, in person with Hunter, me, and EJ, where we're going to play EJ's really stupid and very bad Nuzlocke variant of Twilight Imperium, where the pieces of plastic, you only have what you have, and as you use them and they die, they go away forever. There's a bunch of other really arbitrary rules to this thing, but I think it's about time we give it a go, uh, and we'll do it. Uh, at the at the studio in real life. Uh, your next one is audience agendas. This this did really well last time, so it seemed worth putting it in. If you've never seen one of our old streams, like from when we first started the show, audience agendas were things that uh, the Twitch chat 
voted on and would impact the game in like incredibly dire ways like way more than normal agendas like things like tiles moving around or whole systems blowing up or whatever uh also up there is just a frankendraft game we just haven't played frankendraft in a while and there's a there's a diehard community for frankendraft so let's throw that in the mix uh for your root option i'm trying to get some better uh, hunters just been throwing kind of the same root options in every single time and they're, they're they don't catch any steam so i figured i would try to shake it up and see if we get any movement off of the idea of our root all cats game so like on tts but like we would change the color of different people's marquees to cat pieces and everybody has a keep in a corner and there's just units everywhere i don't know sounds messy to me <laughs> Sounds a little bit like ghosts. I yeah. think it'll <laughs> yeah. it'll be a great hit. Uh, and then finally, for our for our non board game thing that won't win, uh, Hunter and I have been talking a lot about wanting to do the co op campaign of Halo One. Uh, there's that Master Chief collection that exists, and I think we both yeah. just want to play that. So let's put that in the in the hopper and see if anybody votes for it. We could oh, you're good old nostalgia vote. these days. Oh, what was that? We could all use some good nostalgia these yeah, days. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially with that Halo Infinite trailer that came out where it kind of just looks like Halo 1. That got me feeling extra nostalgic. Uh, yeah. Your Galactic Council vote is still running. It is This Imperium Life 5 versus Partners in TI. Just kidding. Partners in TI is winning in a landslide. There is, I think, no conceivable way This Imperium Life 5 can come back. So that will almost definitely be it. So probably what's going to happen with that episode is we're going to put uh, some a call out for questions. I think we're going to try to treat it like a AMA where people can just send in questions for Hunter's girlfriend and my wife and I don't look forward to it <laughs> at all <laughs> I think people just need to be aware that they hate you yeah so just <laughs> the, the they being my wife hates you yeah. the audience <laughs> yeah don't 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 expect her to come in and be like oh you know it's great everything's been wonderful and i love that he does this and i can't i can't wait to meet some of the people involved in the community i don't it, really see that happening yeah i don't i don't predict she will have glowing remarks not to say she hates that i do the show but she does hate when twilight imperium interferes with very good uh, opportunities to watch uh love on the spectrum on netflix man that show rules and if you're not watching it you should watch it because it i don't think slaps. i've ever even heard of that it's about uh autistic people finding love and it's really great and wholesome and boy it just melts your your little heart melts it to just into a little puddle and it's wonderful uh anyways weird twitch schedule this week because hunter's moving um but what we should well, that's say that's not the only reason matt that's not the only reason because we've got uh th this is this is a funny timing for this episode to be on the you know delaying things but fantasy flight has their in-flight report which would normally happen like the first day of gen con but because gen con doesn't exist this year it's just a twitch stream that's going to happen um and I mean, we've been skeptical in the past of potential expansion stuff, but I don't know. Root, can you kind of walk us through like what the, the the increased rumor mill and why the hype train is increasing this year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that just the, the length of time that's elapsed since the TI4 release has yeah. people thinking that this is about the right time an expansion might come out anyway. Um, there have been some leaks from foreign distributors from like Asia and Europe right. in the last couple months, and uh, they seem to have some things in common. So people are looking at that and being like, well, that might, might not be, be a coincidence, something? right? Right. Yeah. And then recently, 
Dane Beltrami's own Twitter, uh, he started tweeting more often, which he doesn't really tweet much, but then when he did, people would started realizing that on his profile, his banner image has been has been like the ghost's art, the main ghost art with like Creus and the Creus gate behind him. Uh, and these like blue tendrils, every couple days, the hue of those tendrils has been getting more and more red and like expanding out and the helmet of the ghost is cracking. So like, uh, I oh, wow. feel I didn't like, even notice that part. Yeah, dude, we are like officially in full hype territory now. So the leaks are one thing, but when the designer <laughs> of the board game starts putting out like images related to the board game, I believe we're in full hype territory. So yeah. because of that, we are very much, we are already planning to do this, but now it's been getting like even more like, oh shoot, we super duper have to do this. Um, we're gonna stream alongside Fantasy Flight stream. So we won't be like restreaming or anything. You will have to watch theirs, but then we're gonna have ourselves just on like webcam or whatever, uh, doing kind of like a live watch party commentary track. Alec, I think you're gonna try to be there if your schedule yes, allows for it. And uh, so, so we're gonna watch that. That's at 7 p.m. Wednesday, July 9th, uh, 29th, uh, 7 p.m. Central Time. Yep. So we'll see if an announcement comes then. And then FFG has put out like a list of streams throughout the rest of the week that like are more. Here's content. Here's all kinds of stuff. And on that list, there are two unannounced projects, which is another indication that something is going on. One of them is laid, labeled as unannounced project number one, and it is an unboxing stream. Friday, July 31st at 3 p.m. That seems very <laughs> uh, enticing. And the other one is a unannounced project two where uh, it's supposed to be gameplay, which to me seems slightly less likely, but who knows? It just would be weird yeah. to show gameplay of an expansion of a game people have already had unless the yeah, possible expansion is like a wild reimagining of the game <laughs> i don't know it it's seems actually less likely, ti5 not yeah TI4 exactly expansion. but regardless if it if that is becomes the stream for a potential expansion that is sunday august 2nd 9 a.m whenever things related to twilight imperium are going to be streaming we're going to also have a stream up we'll be posting multi-stream links like multi-twitch is a thing you can do where like it pulls both windows up very easily. So we're gonna be posting those links all over the place. So maybe you can hang out with us, hang out with us on the Discord. I'm sure everybody will be freaking out if something does happen, hopefully. Uh, so so yeah, uh, again, that's Wednesday, July 29th at 7 p.m. Central, Friday, July 31st at 3 p.m. Central, and Sunday, August 2nd at 9 a.m. Central. Uh, yeah, freaking out. Uh, the other thing too is this episode's coming out a little bit earlier than usual. Usually I get it out like late <laughs> Tuesday night <laughs> central time, but we're, we're finally a little bit ahead of schedule, but uh, that also has the purpose of Hunter is going to be on Cardboard on Tap's 100th episode. To celebrate their 100th episode, they're going to have a live stream uh, where they're going to play Twilight Imperium, and Hunter is going to feature on that. I'm sure we'll be rebroadcasting it, but you should go hit up twitch.tv slash cardboard on tap uh, and that's going to be 5 p.m central time and uh yeah radar show do all the other stuff whatever you know how it goes um alec any any last words before we get into this interview anything to like set the mood besides the dulcet tones that we're about to hear from your pre-recorded intro no i think the intro really tells you yeah, all you need i agree to let's to let's know. kick it over to uh to alec with Farganess and xenofeline Welcome to Space Cats Peace Turtles Fireside Chats. Myself and a guest from the SCPT community will discuss Twilight Imperium, board gaming, and strategy. 
grab your favorite drink in a Snuggie and settle in. I'm your host, Alec Keeler. Let's get started. So, with me today are Alex and Ryan, known on the SCPT Discord as Fargoness and Xenofeline, respectively. Um, Alex, give us a little introduction to yourself. Um, we live in New Mexico, and I am a radiologist, and I got into board gaming as a kid, left board gaming for a long time, and then got back into board gaming when Ryan was young. Awesome. Ryan, give us a little mini introduction to yourself. Um, hi, I'm Ryan. I am uh, 17, so I'm just graduating high school. Uh, well, it would be this year, but uh, obviously there's some consternation surrounding that at the moment. Um, I've been interested in games for a long time. I would say most of my uh young life and um i especially enjoy the more strategic games such as twilight imperium and uh yeah cool uh i think somehow in, in the last less than 60 seconds all of us have failed to mention it for anyone who doesn't know that you guys are father and son so oh, yes <laughs> that's important doesn't know that that's uh the context here of why i'm interviewing the two of them together <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like I've told you guys before, I have a few questions that we're going to go down and, uh, you guys can just kind of answer them both one at a time and, uh, then we'll move on from there. So first question, um, Alex, uh, you can answer this one first. What attracts or, uh, in the past attracted you the most to the board, to board gaming as a hobby? I grew up on a cul-de-sac, uh, with about eight or nine other kids in close age to me and we played board games and other games all the time we played uh monopoly risk um dungeons and dragons um and card games as well and um just the the community and interactions during the board games is what really interests me did you uh have a favorite game from back then before you like kind of temporarily quit the the hobby i would say i was probably most obsessed with dungeons and dragons but i had uh, an interest in both diplomacy and i had gotten magic realm around 1982 or 83 and was obsessed with the art and never could really figure out how to play it at the time the art is pretty great in a lot of those books. They they had some pretty incredible artists back then. Yeah, and still do. Um, Ryan, to you, what what yeah. attracts you the most to board gaming? Well, I would say that what attracts me the most to board gaming is just like it the sense of strategy. Like I enjoy chess, but not quite as much because it's so well like documented these are the openings this is like what you can do and i'm more of a person who wants to try to discover that for themselves and like oh like this is uncharted territory how does one go from here how does one like um puzzle all these different disparate pieces of a game together mm -hmm. and so 
that sort of uh, that sort of drive, I think, has been pushing me towards more and more complex games as I grow older. So, have you found that you enjoy newer games more than older games, since they are there's maybe less documentation about how how to play them or like what the best strategies are or things like that? Um, it depends. Uh, certainly, there are some like uh, newer games which I enjoy and for which there's a lot of documentation, like say uh, Twilight Imperium. <laughs> but uh, like, I also enjoy some older games. Um, it's even stuff that's like fully plotted out. So long as like I don't know what the ideas are and nor do the other participants like if I'm playing with my friends or if I'm playing um, with my family just all of us trying to figure out well, what's the best strategy how can we do XYZ and all of that yes okay. and more recently the same for me as well I mean there's some games like Scythe that people have plotted out so many moves and so I'd much rather play with other people who have the same level of experience um, and have the challenge of figuring out game to game um, what's the optimum strategy for that game, but not to have the entire strategy mapped out ahead of time. Sure, sure. Yeah, I totally understand that. Uh, that sense of like just going through the motions to get from the start of the game to the end of the game can definitely feel like you're not really even playing a game at that point. Right. We got, when Ryan was about eight or nine, there was a, a group started in Santa Fe uh, yeah, I was gonna... called The Game Thing. It was run by Stephen Bohannon. Um, and uh, we just flocked to this community. It was such a great uh, bunch of people. They welcomed, they were enthusiastic to have a child <laughs> there. Um, not to make him embarrassed, but almost like a child prodigy who would when the rules were being explained to him like he was discussing, he would plot out, oh, so if this happens in the game, you can do X, Y, and Z, um, and have the rules absorbed in one sitting, which I cannot do. Um, but we would go there. Um, what was our first game again? It was Munchkin Quest, uh, right. back Ooh. when I was like eight or nine. <laughs> this, was, this was in the... Um, like the convention center, I think? There, was it the old convention center? No, it was in... Um, the very first place was uh, he was borrowing space from a group called Santa Fe Design. Uh, oh, uh, that's right. And then it moved boards. all over town. The, the, um, the Santa Fe College, uh, it was at Flying Star for a while. Um, and then we wrapped up. It was at um, on 2nd Street and a couple other places. Um, and oh, now man. it's at the Second I, Street Brewery. Oh my gosh, you're bringing back so many memories. So for anyone yes. who doesn't know me super well, I, I, I also grew up in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I recognize some of the places that you're talking about, in particular Second Street Brewery. My mother had uh, her office like very close to Second Street Brewery for a while. So we would go there pretty frequently. And I remember like playing darts I think they had a, a dartboard, and then there was there was the the pizza place whose name I forgot, like right across the street from them. Right, back road uh, is still yes, there. Yes, back yep. road. That's it. Yeah, they have. They opened. Pool tables. <laughs> they opened up a second place called uh, Rafina, Rafina Street 
brewery and so that's where they they have more space there and um so the game night is there on monday nights oh that's great man those are, those are some good memories of those places that they rocked um ryan what is your favorite board game that is not twilight imperium that's a difficult question to answer um i would say at the moment i really enjoy eclipse just because there's there's more of an exploration to it there's more of a um that fourth x actually exists yeah a little bit. The, yeah um well more than a little bit with some of the uh expansion stuff but um i mean i played my first real game of root uh like this weekend i think yeah okay. this weekend right. um and uh root and oath i like as i would love to get uh more games under my belt for those because i have a feeling that uh either of those could pretty easily top eclipse for that spot because i've really enjoyed them all right wow awesome what about you alex what's your favorite non-ti game i like playing cooperative games with the family but my favorite competitive sort of mid to higher level uh game is probably terraforming mars um but the best memories i have are with games like uh, one night ultimate werewolf and cards against humanity yeah those are so. those are great great <laughs> games party games can be really great and they they do come with some pretty amazing memories some of, some of the best times i've had gaming with friends has been like secret hitler yeah yeah this is gonna be maybe a tough question but uh, with a little bit of introspection, if you had to categorize yourself, Ryan, what kind of player do you think you are? Um, it depends on the game, but uh, more often than not, um, I'm like, I straddle in between diplomat and strategist, I'd say. I talk a lot, but I also do a lot of planning ahead of time. Some games that works out really well for me. Other games where I get shot out of the diplomacy, it really doesn't. Okay, gotcha. So you 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 just like to apply your your analytical mind and figure out the best path forward. Yes, and then also try to convince other people that them helping me is the best logical path forward. <laughs> and Alex, how would you categorize yourself? Um, I'm not quite the strategist. Um, but I am extremely competitive and I will go back and look at games and every little step that I've done and try to rethink, um, what I could have done better, where I made mistakes. Um, but I would say I'm more of a social gamer and that, that applies to Twilight Imperium mm -hmm. as well. Just kind of talking at the table, trying to do my thing. Um, more recently, trying to get the table to do certain things, um, particularly if there's someone who's jumping out to a lead or keeping an eye on someone else and diverting attention away from myself. But um, I can't figure out how to really put myself into any sort of category as a player. I would, I would okay. stick with social, probably. Okay. It, it seems pretty clear that both of you guys like to be very analytical with your play 
can either of you give me like an instance where you played a game, you went back over it and like analyzed all the things that you did, and maybe the first game didn't go very well, but then you went back and applied something that you picked up on and like crushed it. Well, I don't know if I crushed it, but <laughs> I think every game I play of TI, um, there's another aspect that I've figured out that I've undervalued. I think the first time I played, I was like, oh, action cards are so much better than I realized I need to focus on action cards. And then it was, oh, you really can't get to 10 without secret objectives. I think it's the evolution of everyone who goes through uh, the game mm -hmm. does that. Um, yeah, I think keeping things closer to the vest, um, maybe not so much of the strategy, but um, I played in a Friday night game with, with Hunter a while back and making it look like I, I didn't, I had a specific secret objective, but actually having a different one um, where my path to victory has been thwarted so many times by it being so obvious um, <laughs> and picking up on that. Um, both prelims games in the Twilight Imperium tournament, I had the lead, the points, and everyone at the table knew it, um, and I got knocked out in both of those games. So I've I've learned that that's probably not the best strategy for me um, sure. going forward. Yeah, one one of yeah. the tough lessons I had to learn when I started getting more serious about Twilight Imperium is to just sometimes not say anything because I had this really bad habit of saying things like guys, I think I can win next round, or guys, I think I've got it in the bag. And then people would be like, wait, okay, now we need to figure out why he's saying that. And then they would figure it out and stop me. And I'd be like, dang it, I had it. I was so close. What did I do wrong? For me, an experience where I've just, um, like, played a game, learned from my mistakes, and come back, I think I'm going to have to go with Scythe. Because I remember our first game, uh, my dad had played a little bit uh like of the like figuring out what to do and mm -hmm. i did you play against the automata i played at bgg ah uh, that's right yeah um and he just wiped the floor with me i <laughs> i think i got like an objective <laughs> <laughs> and then the second game it was the opposite do you remember any of the any of the like things that you picked up between game one and game two? I picked up that the like the factory card was not as valuable as it like as it seemed upon reading the description, mm -hmm. right? Like if you because we were only two players, there's definitely the chance there's still going to be a pretty decent uh, factory card in there that I could get, even if it's not like the best one, and just um, like. Power and popularity, I basically thought were way too hard to get up to high levels, so I didn't bother. But even keeping those close to higher levels is really, really helpful. Yeah. Or I found that. And I find playing games with Ryan, if we both sit down to learn a game together and read the rules and play, he will destroy me. <laughs> the next time we play, I have a chance. Uh -huh. And then after that, he pretty much has the advantage every game. So so I have to have a little bit experience, but the more experience that he gets, he gains all his advantages Ooh. back. Have you ever, like, bought a game and snuck it home and broke it open to read the rules before he could get his hands on them? No, but that is an excellent idea. <laughs> hey, don't, do not give him ideas. <laughs> you do not need more games. 
Uh, Alex, what is the biggest challenge that you think you typically face in like an average game of Twilight Imperium? Uh, easily stamina. Um, I have a hard time paying attention for for that long. Um, so in in real life games, having a nice dinner break mm-hmm. definitely helped. I've def- I've included that um, in our games that we host at our house. Uh, online, I've been trying to do the split session games, and that certainly has helped as well. Um, playing with more experienced players where we can finish under six hours mm-hmm. also helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my biggest challenge in the split session games is not obsessing over every little move between sessions, um, falling asleep afterwards, um, and not just uh, you know obsessing about the game and visualizing um, hexes and command counters being put down um, in my dreams. So <laughs> I feel I, I, I'm gonna say I, I feel like I have almost the opposite problem to you. Um, I don't. I don't plan a lot ahead of time, and so when I play, that leads to situations where, like, I'm usually like, oh, I screwed this up in an early round, and I'm trying to catch up to where I would like to be. And normally, if that means, if I'm not, um, if I'm not uh, one of the diplomatic leaders of the table, uh, that means that I am, like, st- really struggling to get victory points. If I am, like, a leader the table diplomatically if i can like finagle a few trade goods here and there i can eke out enough victory points so that i stay second or third which is actually where i prefer to be i like to be within i like to have a shot at winning Mm -hmm. um but also not be the clear front runner sure because then then it's easier to divert attention yeah so with the sept finals just a, a few days behind us now uh one of the finalists brian uh, is very active on the Discord channels, and I, I haven't even listened to his uh, bit of the interview on with Matt and Hunter, but my understanding is that he strongly prefers to play from ahead and just win from ahead. But it sounds like you guys kind of like to hang back and uh, keep the pressure off. I've won and lost both ways. Um, I find it easier to be yeah in the pack and have some way of stalling late and getting a victory last round um, after other people have passed. Okay. Do you, Ryan, Yeah. find it easier to play from ahead or play from somewhere behind or somewhere in the middle of the pack? I prefer to play from the middle of the pack not like from behind behind, but second, third, maybe fourth is generally where I'm most comfortable in Twilight Imperium. Um, I don't think I've ever won a game where I was uh, the only person first place going into the final round. And I would point out that Ryan also is probably one of the most experienced gamers in his group and has a target on his back with his peer group that they're always out to get him yeah I, when he plays. I can sympathize a little bit I was certainly like that in high school myself um, although part of that target being on my back was my own fault because we played diplomacy a lot and I was a cruel evil diplomacy player <laughs> we just 
we we've played a lot of um games of like eclipse i think we've invited people over for terraforming mars before um and a bunch of not super long strategy games like two to three hours uh and even when i go to other people's houses and play games i usually like on these strategy games i usually win so it's just just because i have the mindset of the rules analytics mm-hmm. how am i going to get most points it's whereas other people if they're unfamiliar with the game generally just do what feels cool i would say sure in my group which leads to cool stories but sometimes also leads to me getting really far ahead <laughs> so, so root the way we got into ti you know the but game night only had like you know two or three hours to play games so that's why we're into a lot of medium weight games mm-hmm. and uh, Ryan was doing a computer camp in Seattle, and we were at Mock's boarding house. Oh, and, yes. <laughs> and Ryan brought, <laughs> goes over, grabs Twilight Imperium 3. This is like summer of 2017, I guess, yep. um, before TI4 was announced. And he brings it over to the table where we're sitting. He's like, I want this. Look how big the box <laughs> is, and it takes 10 to 12 hours to play. <laughs> and I said, you couldn't, pick, you couldn't pick two things that would want me to buy a game for him less than how big the box is I have to bring back from Seattle to Santa Fe or how long the game takes. So we did not get the game. Um, when I saw fourth edition was announced, I, I bought it for him for Christmas. He tried to teach me and my wife, um, and I just didn't get it. And so um, the next spring I was going to BGG Spring with my wife leaving the kids home and someone was organizing a twilight imperium game i was like if i'm ever going to learn it's going to be here at a convention where i have time so that's when i started listening to space cats peace turtles and i had the options we randomized races and it was necro ghosts and sardak were my three choices so i played necro in my first game and listened uh to the yeah (laughs) um but i was hooked I just absolutely loved it. We didn't even finish the game, um, and and I might I might be more obsessed with the game than Ryan is, even though I bought the game for him. There's no question you're more obsessed with the game than I am. You 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 have spent what is your hour count in Tabletop Simulator again? Uh, closing in on 500 hours. Yes, and you bought that expressly for the purpose of playing Twilight Imperium. That is also correct. Yeah, that's all right. That's that's the only reason I bought it too. Uh, Ryan, do you remember your first game of TI? First game or first completed game? Uh, first, so two first game. Your your very first like experience um, with TI. I got like a, a um. I'm not going to do uh, talk about the one where I got about a round in with my mom and dad. Sure. I'm going to talk about the one where I invited six people uh, over to play, and this was after my dad had started to get hooked. He'd played three games or so by this point and had introduced me to Space Cats Beast Turtles. Uh, and so I included like links to the podcast uh, for my friends to figure out how to play. Um, um, Liam played Jolnar, Ben played Soul, Apollo played Sar, uh, John played Winu. Poor John. And yes. he chose Winu. <laughs> uh, and Mateo was extra. Mateo was extra. 
and uh, I was Hakan. Uh, and the game went rather interestingly because it, it like a few rounds in it was pretty clear it was basically going to be down to me and, and Apollo. Uh, Liam had a chance, but Liam uh, was really focused in a war with uh, Ben slash Soul that I was helping fund. Um, and then uh, Mateo as Xcha was just building up his slice and we had peaceful relations. And John was Winu and had gotten uh, taken off Mechatol by Sar. Classic. Um, yeah. So we actually didn't finish this game because it was 11 hours or so. <laughs> Parents were in the house wanting their children to come home. And it, and it was like, it was, it was nearing like 1030 or something. And like, it was a, it was it a school night. I no, think it was a, but it was like a Saturday. Night. It was a Saturday, but at the time, I think you were 16 and other people, and Apollo was 16, but everyone else was, was younger. Yeah, it was 15. Yeah. Actually, John. Um, so, yeah, we had. John might have been. We had all the parents in the living room. The, 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 uh, the table is on. The game's on the dining room table. And these kids talked and negotiated so much for every move and they were loving to strategize against each other that, that must have terrified um, the parents like a lot <laughs> i think it did um <laughs> so the, the game ended uh with sar at nine me at nine uh this we didn't get to go to a final round Liam was at seven and everyone else was further behind supports had been traded at this at this point People have figured out the value of supports pretty quickly after Liam and Ben immediately agreed to stop all hostilities between them by trading supports. So then Apollo and John trade supports and I traded with Mateo because he was the last one left. Um, and uh, Liam's and Ben's support swap worked out really well and the rest of ours didn't really. Uh, Liam's, Liam's support swap allowed him to gather a large enough fleet to just... I want to say he crushed four dreadnoughts and my flagship as Jolnar, which is without tech. Right, but he had his flagship, right? And he rolled. Oh my God. He, he rolled for the double hit. Wow. On the, on the flagship, <laughs> um, multiple times. Multiple times, <laughs> as Jolnar. So as it Jolnar. sounds like this was right. a, a pretty memorable, memorable game for both of you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it, it, uh, it seemed like Apollo was likely to win, but I, um, I had earlier pick and strategy order. But Paul ha hadn't scored, like, uh, we'd each scored two secrets, and I didn't have an action phase. And he was sar, and he, like, Apollo's also very good at picking up games quickly. Um, he's in my class, uh, very smart. He almost certainly had an action phase, because there were no, there were no objectives le left in the deck, and I'd, and I'd uh, seen, I'd discarded status phase. Mm -hmm. Or, or not so I discarded action phase objectives and then it got around to him and he picked up a new objective so I presume he had an action phase but I don't know what it was gotcha or even if I he mean, actually had one I, I love hearing about people's like epic first experiences with TI because they're, they're always such fun stories and I feel like people remember them pretty well um, Alex how do you approach planning out a round of, uh, of TI um, I want to figure out how I'm getting my points that round and have a plan and have, if possible, a backup or a foolproof way of, of getting 
uh, a point or two points. The um, and I, I generally like to start, if possible, with two command counters and strategy, and figure out yeah. wh- and then once the strategy cards are picked, figure out where what I'm going to secondary and what to skip. Um, and I think earlier, uh, when I was less experienced, I, I didn't want to skip anything, and I kept myself starved. So I'm trying to um, work on command counter efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when's leadership going to pop? How can I get command counters into strategy? Um, but I really do like to have my rounds go longer than anybody so that I can do things after they're done, which is, I think, why Necro and Asarl are my two favorite factions. Gotcha. And uh, Ryan, how do you generally approach planning out like a singular round? How do I plan out a round? Um, in, in Twat Imperium, it's all down to the victory points. So the question is, what victory points do I have a chance of scoring this round? Um, and I'm ba- I basically look at it like, okay, Here's the ones I can score for certain. Here's the ones I'll have a likely chance of scoring. Sorry, am I might. Um, here's the ones I have a chance of scoring next round. Here's the ones I have like other ways to potentially score it. Like so, for example, like if there's a control objective, a spending objective, and something else on the board, um, and I know that uh, like I'm going to lose a planet next round for whatever reason, I'm probably going to go for control objective. So then my question is, okay. How do I get from point A to point B? What ships do I need? What else do I need? What secondaries do I need? And I generally assume that uh, diplomacy and construction are probably not going to get picked. They're they're generally not picked in the games I'm in. I don't know if that's the case in other games. So I, I assume that most of the other secondaries are going to be available. And so I try to base my plan around that, is how many secondaries do I need of those do I need to take diplomacy to get that sort of thing? Do, what strategy card do I need to take? And will it be available by the time the turn comes around to me? Mm-hmm. And then try to build off of that even before the round starts, like during agenda phase, stuff like that. Um, it's a lot, I'd say my playing style is a lot more spur of the moment because I, for Twilight Imperium, I'm always focused on what can I do this round? Because the thing being you can only score one objective round means that for me, it's a lot more you have to be focused on this round and pretty much this round alone, maybe some on what you can set up to do, but like spending your whole time setting up to do stuff, like unless you have a way to easily set up a big swing round, it's not really worth it in most cases, at least for me, okay. from, from my experience. Sure. Um, do, do you guys find yourselves prioritizing um, like the control objectives over spend objectives, or is it just the sort of thing where, well, I can do the spend objective this round without pissing anyone off, so I'm just going to stick to this? It's variable. Um, it, it really depends. I, I try to... I, I've more recently tried not to rush the tech objectives. They're going to come and try to do that in a swing round, have it in the bag, and try to get Imperial... Uh, and and do a swing round because I know that one's that can't take away from me during the round. Um, but it, a lot depends on who my neighbor is, how uh, what the meta of the table is. Can I get someone to share uh, a system, one planet each, or to borrow a system for the control objectives? Um, and 
uh, it varies wildly from from group to group. Yeah. Um, so I, I know you guys play games and and TI with folks there in Santa Fe, and you guys. Uh, I don't know, Ryan, if you've actually played with like random people on TTS, but. Um, I have not played with randos on TTS. All right, so this is going to be more a question for Alex then. How, how have you found the differences between playing uh, like a pickup game on on tabletop versus playing with your your pals and Ryan Ryan pal Ryan's pals? It's not that dissimilar. I think there's playing with the teenagers. There's a lot more talking, and everyone thinks they can out negotiate each other <laughs> it makes it really fun <laughs> um which is not necessarily my cup of tea it's that's definitely their play style um the adults that we play with uh, are similar to the ones or similar to the people i play with on tts um where there's you know you can make a negotiation yes no move on um so do you think that that's uh, a sign of like maturity or wisdom or a sign that uh, us old folks are just giving up and don't want to try anymore? <laughs> I have a different answer. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, oh, yes? Uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a sign that negotiation is much harder over the, over the internet. Like the negotiation, the TTS games and all that... I've always found that whatever my uh, faction in TI is and in the uh, root game that I played, it was, it's so much harder to work deals with people over, uh, over the internet. Like, just being able to speak to someone face-to-face and read them makes it a lot easier for people to gauge responses, try to figure out where they're planning. Like, in a, in a even if like you, I'm not talking to you in a sit-down game, I, like, I can look at you and sort of see where you're looking, what you're planning, and you can do the same to me. And so there's some sort of, I wouldn't say it's like uh, espionage, but it's there's there's more information that's revealed just by being next to someone sure. than um, over the. And, and I would agree with that. I've adapted my TTS style to where I am very upfront and honest. Because it's harder yeah. to get the subtleties, and I say, "Look, I want this, or this is what I'm going for, um, or are you interested in doing X, Y, or Z?" and have it pretty spelled out. Um, and yes, but I, I, I think some of it is life experience to know when to move on <laughs> from a <laughs> from a discussion <laughs> or an argument. Um, I think in real life, I'm not a very confrontational person. Um, so playing competitive board games helps me get that part of my personality out. Um, I played Ultimate Frisbee competitively for 24, 26 years. Wow. And um, yeah, and and that's why I wasn't doing board games a lot. It was um, I got my competitive juices or my competitive urges satisfied by by playing ultimate and um in the ultimate community if you have like this a smidgen of responsibility you're in charge so (laughs) um so i was oftentimes the captain or the main strategist uh, and trying to get the most out of our teams um and strategizing for each individual opponent was still one of the most interesting parts 
of the sport for me, um, which is why you know I was into strategy games mm-hmm. at a young age, and again now as a father, um, it's it helps. Um, Has there been helps me <laughs> helps me un- unleash some of the unpleasant parts of my personality in a socially acceptable way. <laughs> Uh, have there been any like strategies or lessons that you learned from playing ultimate frisbee for so long that you've like directly applied to ti um i would i'm not sure it's a strategy but more of a personality trait um i'm not a great athlete um but i practice harder than everybody else and um, refused to give up, um, so I had um, uh, somewhat of an endurance n- kind of mentality. Like I can outwork you during the game, I can outlast you during the game, and I think that sort of competitive edge, thinking outside the game, theory crafting on the Discord with a Magi or Brian or Ginger. Uh, other people who who put ideas out there and thinking about it all the time, I think helps me become a better player and gives me a better, you know, gives me an edge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Ryan, I know that primarily you've played TI with your group of friends, but uh, those Correct. are not the only people you've played with. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, you played a fair amount of Twilight Imperium I- at Gen Con. Uh, yes. Uh, tell me, tell me about your your Gen Con experience last year. Uh, all right, uh, I'm going to actually. I think I've played more games with other people now than my friends, but um, I'm going to talk about Gen Con, uh, the first game, which was the prelims game. Uh, so four out of six people showed up. So it was a four person game, and it was an interesting game. Um, we had Asar. I was Jolnar. Um, I think, were you Sar, Dad? No, I was Barony. You were Barony. And we had Sol. And we had Sol. So it was Barony, Sol, Sar, and Jolnar. Um, and, you know, uh, I had not really played Jolnar much before. Um, and I did not, perchance, quite realize how easy it was to get tech objectives. I guess, like, the, the first game went something like this. It went, Jolnar takes Mechatol with a fairly large fleet and has a few plants close to slice around Mechatol. Um, the one agenda card, or the ex- ex- the artifact. that one, that blows up all the ships near <laughs> Mechatol gets popped, and Jolnar loses 14 resources worth of plastic uh, around Mechatol. Oh, my. Jol- Jolnar does not despair and um, goes on to win the game with basically no ships for a reason which I shall let my dad explain. This you're bringing up unpleasant memories route. So <laughs> So yes, I was in the prelim game with my son in the Gen Con tournament and at times I was playing Barony and I was to his right um and he was Jolnar. At times it seemed like all he wanted to do was to have me not win. <laughs> He fed Sar War Sons. He kept feeding tech to the other players. Um, and it was brutal. But he had a clear path that the, I believe the 
objective for for two techs and four colors. That came, that came out, out and, and he I had, had eight points. It. And he hadn't even scored the two tech and two colors yet. Yeah. So, um, so, so I, he's sitting at eight. He had it, and he he picked high. He picked imperial. Yeah. Um, and the speaker, and with. oh, he kept it with political stability, and. Um, but he had higher initiative than everybody. He didn't get a lower, another low initiative. So we crafted this whole plan to take his home system. Um, Sar would sort of clear him out, and I would go in, and I completely forgot he had my ceasefire. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and so we had this whole plan, whole discussion. I put my command counter down. He goes, oh, that's nice. I have your ceasefire. And I just, it was the worst way <laughs> To lose a game. <laughs> um, so, Ryan, was this uh, kind of a unique experience in terms of playing with people that you had literally never met before? Yes, very uh, much. How... And I think. Sorry. I think my games. Sorry. sorry um, I think my games on the TT on TTS still uh -huh. are because I just I haven't uh, talked with people on the Discord that much. I'm not very active. Uh -huh. um, so. When I play a game, it's either I know someone by reputation or I don't know them at all. And usually it's the second. Did you find that it was more challenging to be that diplomat that uh, kind of takes hold of the table meta with with a group of half strangers? My dad is shaking his head no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think it was more difficult for me to like uh, work work uh, with them without more um, like concrete promises like here I'm going to give you I'm going to give Sar war sons and Sar's going to help me do ex like this thing sure and Sar's like yeah that sounds good I get war sons but it, he he had a lot of things to offer the table and it was very hard for me to break that meta he was yeah that's that's Jolnar he, he was their tech he was their tech daddy and he kept them happy and it was very tough to until the last round when he had an obvious path right. to victory. Yeah. yeah. I and I and I think I I like those sort of like hey, I'm going to sort of like control you. I'm going to have like interests in all of the pie slices. Uh I that I that's why I would say Hakan's my favorite faction in TI4. Sure. Um fall and I'm going to say it's followed by Soul for other reasons, which we'll get to, and then uh, Jolmar of the ones I've played. And, and the uh, the other thing I remember about that prelim game, that the three tech specs objective came out, and knowing that he was going to direct the table against me, I grabbed four tech spec planets, and he still managed to change them out of the table to have them take two planets away from me, so I couldn't Brutal. score it. Yeah. Because I had your ceasefire. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, we swapped ceasefires. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, was that a mistake. So let's move on and talk about uh, the final game at Gen Con, which uh, might dredge up some painful memories oh, as boy. well. Um, but it was it was a really great game. Um, tell me yeah, tell me about um, how that game went for you. That game was... the. Like after I took the huge hit of like fourteen ships in the like the first or fourteen resources worth of ships in the first game, I was like, okay, right, like that's probably not going to happen again. Sure. Little yeah, do I know. But the what I like about 
and I'm going to get to that in a moment, but what I like about Soul so much is that Soul can just keep recovering from the, the hits you give them. Because, and like that ability to just stay in the running, even if you get so completely screwed over by the dice. And I don't generally like luck-based games. Uh, I generally lose luck-based games. Uh, for s some reason, the, uh, the dice gods of the universe have decided that the average roll on a d20 for me shall be less than eight. <laughs> um, so, uh, like, Soul's ability to come back, I like. And, boy, was there some coming back to do in the uh, finals yeah, game. You, uh, you had a bit of a rough time. First, oh, for, so, we, uh, the, the, I had not played very many games before that. I, because I played, um, I played the one game uh, that I told you about with the, that we got to nine points and then didn't finish. I played two more games with Liam and with my dad and a few other friends. Um, and then Gen Con. So I'd, I didn't know any like metas. I didn't know, like I knew some first round strategies from what we told, but I didn't know like, say for example, that you should take fighters along with your carriers. Ah, which- A harsh lesson. Which, a, oh my God, I lost, I think I lost, did I lose both carriers? So you lost both carriers I, I lost to Magi. both carriers to Magi round one and Magi was yep. Necro. Yep, I do remember. And then I eventually like got those back. I started building up. I got tied to points. Um, I fi I figured that you know Sar Sar uh, Schroeder has a lot of points, but like people are starting to do support swaps. Um, I'm going to swap with Sar because. Sar has the ability to distract Necro from me. And at that point, that was my main concern. Sure. Makes sense. Um, so then, at, at maybe... My dad, my dad looks like he's going to say something. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. I'm so tense right now reliving this game and i didn't even play in it I, it was <laughs> I, I you probably remember yeah, me I, pacing I, I know you had your job to do root but I, there were times where i couldn't even watch the game and i prepped him ahead of time you know giving him a, you know i played a game at gen con with naderade um the i i watched the finals like i knew about schroeder i knew about magi um i i've read stuff that robofish had written um, Gen Con Alex was a black box at that point. And so we did a little bit of prep, like kind of what to expect. But I mean, before Gen Con, we hadn't even done a competitive build before. Yeah. Um, so so, so, so I learned the first round, of Gen the first like four player match, like, oh, you should not uh, screw other screw over other people while you're building competitively. Yep, yep. That's another harsh lesson to learn sometimes. So somewhere, but I made it out of the prelims game. Yeah, so somewhere around the middle of the game, if I recall, maybe towards the second half. Oh yes. Um, an, an infamous an infamous moment occurred. Tell me, is this the plague or the gravity rift? Uh, I was thinking of the gravity rift. I don't remember the plague. But let's let's hear about the gravity the, rift. Uh, Tell me okay. about wh the, what you the, were hoping to achieve. Yeah. Well, the, the Gravity Rift directly followed Plague. Um, and so my thought with the Gravity Rift was, okay, I couldn't con the table into giving me any victory points through Plague. 
Um, well, I, I could. I actually did. I got uh, a support promised in the uh, in the agenda that never actually uh, was given to me. If it if it had, I might have actually had a shot at uh, winning before the final round, but it it didn't happen. My th thinking was Jolnar is high on the tech path. Jolnar is almost tied with Schroeder and I. I've tied my horse to Schroeder. I can't um, I can't attack the Sarball because uh, then I lose a point. So my hope is I have to hope that uh, Magi takes care of the Sarball and then I get another victory point uh, for, you know, not screwing that up. But I need I need to stop Jolnar. And since the Sarball is kaput, I'm the only one in position to do so. And I also knew that the control planets in a home system objective was a thing. And so I figured, well, Jolnar basically has no fleet. I have a pretty large fleet. Even if I lose one or two ships, I still have really good odds going into this battle. So I moved. I think we calculated it later to be like 23 resources worth of plastic. Yeah, that sounds right. Through, through the gravity rift, a dreadnought, three upgraded carriers, uh, like twenty, a, a oh. ton of ground forces, uh, and not twenty ground forces, but a ton of ground forces and uh, fighters. And do you recall and, how many made it through? Yes, uh, I rolled so bad. <laughs> None of the carriers made it through. Only the dreadnought with its one infantry. <laughs> And it was destroyed in the first round of combat before even getting a hit once it made it to the system. And remember, on those carriers, Spec Ops 2, they should come back. Except right before the tournament, the Gen Con tournament, the change to the gravity rift was made. They get disappeared. So all the ground forces, gone forever. One of, one of the most tragic moments in a TI game I think I've ever witnessed. <laughs> I know. Uh, so doing the math later... Um, I there's there was a ninety six percent chance that at least one carrier would make it through. Yep, yep. With yeah, one yeah. carrier making it through, I had over a seventy percent chance of yeah, winning the yeah, battle. I had pretty good odds, man. But I, I think you're yeah. right. I think and, the R, I think and, Jesus really had it out for you. And the, the no, and the next objective that comes out is control a planet in another player's home <laughs> system. He insists to this day that he would have won if he made it through. I, I do. And, <laughs> and I said, you don't think a table with Magi and Schroeder could figure out a way to take you down if you were sitting in Jolnar's home system with the lead <laughs> when oh. that objective came out? <laughs> oh, I... Uh, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had the... Uh, Schroeder would have uh, tied the lead at that point, but I would have had a path to victory. I, I, I think they probably could have found something, but... Like I said, Soul has the ability to just recover from insane losses. After I lost the the car the uh, the carriers and the dreadnought, I had a ship left, a single ship. I had no fighters. I had a carrier mm -hmm. left. By the end of that round, I had the flagship, six fighters and a dreadnought sitting in my home. Or I'm not, I'm not sure if I had a dreadnought, but I had a ton of I had the flagship and a ton of other plastic around it sitting in the home system, uh, in my home system, and I had parlay. And, and the table's only sabotage at that point in time. They, they would get more sabotages uh, when the, I think they get, did they get more, did the action deck get reshuffled? I can't remember the action deck got reshuffled. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't recall, but. Okay, I remember for a time I had the only sabotage on the table because all the others had been played. So I, I, 
I feel like I could have made a good shot of it, but I... <sighs> and then Gen Con Alex just swooped into Mechatol Rex and everyone was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, no one paid a con attention. So we're, we're approaching an hour and there's a big topic that I wanted to bring up with you. Uh, and that is, Ryan, you have designed an entire game. Yes. So in... I five minutes tell us about this game oh boy okay um so uh this game uh if you've like um browsed there's like some strategy games forums or stuff you probably see there's like forum-based strategy games where you like send in orders and like pieces move on a digital board it's almost uh, like for example um play by post uh sure. pi like sort of like that like you put you'd send in orders to a person running the game, and then the orders would update. Well, when I was younger, like eighth grade, I thought, ooh, what if I did that? But I adapted it to be more like a computer game, more like, uh, at the time, I was really big on Endless Space, which is a uh, computer game that uh, came out a, a while mm -hmm. ago. Um, I don't remember. Uh, and so what I did is I basically designed a set of generally loose rules that sort of like, okay, you can do these few things. This is how much it costs to do stuff. And you can just send orders with various resources. If you're creative, like that's encouraged. Uh, and that, that's how the game went. And people, like there wasn't any system for balancing factions or stuff like that. People just came up with whatever crazy ideas they had and I tried to balance it as best I could. Um, so for example, one person starting like faction building was, oh, I start outside the galaxy and I'm gonna be an extra dimensional threat that comes in later in the game. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and then this continued, like uh, the games continued developing and I revised it so it's like, okay, here's the, here's like a list of traits you can choose from to design your species, to design your uh, nation. Uh, here's specific actions you can take, right? And just kept getting more detailed and more detailed and I'd rewrite it. So the first game, which was Space Civilizations 1, I rewrote the rules as like, okay, like we're doing like most of this stuff differently now because this works better, these formulas work better, this is how I want like different resources, different everything, different way of having planets and systems, all sorts of stuff like that. That's Space Civilizations 2, rewrote it again for Space Civilizations 3, and then over the summer of my, uh, between 10th grade and 11th grade, I went to a game theory camp. And while I was there, I developed basic rules for what would become Space Civilizations 4. And what really changed with Space Civilizations 4, as opposed to the others, is that I designed the real, like the, the, the um, like how you got planets, how you upgraded planets, how you got ships and better ships and technology and all that. I designed all that well before uh, I started detailing like system generation, faction creation. So whereas with the other ones, I was working with like a world and trying to build the system around that. This time I started with a system and tried to build the world around that to fit with the system. And it's worked really, really well. Uh, the rule book is longer <laughs> significantly than most of the so other I, uh, games I, that I've created. I was passing through Santa Fe, New Mexico on my way out to California a few months back. And, uh, I had dinner with with you and your dad, and it was it was a good time. We had some. Yes. Well, Alex and I had a couple of martinis, or margaritas, margaritas. Jesus, I had water. <laughs> and you pulled this giant novel out of your bag and like <laughs> plopped it in my hands. That thing, how long is it? It's it's got to be close to a hundred pages. Uh, the the current rules version that's in PDF form uh, right now that. 
I'm playing on is 129, and I think the uh, in-development one I'm working on is 131, because I'm adding a few <laughs> new systems, like uh, ways the game works. Oh, man, it, it blew my mind, and I, I flipped through it for like five minutes, and there's... It's intense. It is a it is a lot. Yeah. You have put a lot of thought and effort into you into that yeah. thing. Um but uh it's it is it is uh grown just I would say in, in player base uh since uh we last met cuz normally I just play these things with like a few of my friends, four or five. Um I think the current waiting list for space civilizations for game spots like email email me if you have a spot available in the game you're running is like 40 or something mm-hmm. now. Because it's because this game is actually instead of the other ones which are like sort of hodgepodge, it's like it's like kind of clunky to figure figure out how to play. While Space Civilizations Four is complicated, once you understand what you have to do, everything is so intuitive because the system was designed first. It sort of flows. So, like for example, uh, you have to build industry to produce ships. You can only produce one ship per colonized planet that you have. Uh, until you research higher technologies. So if you need more ships quickly, the easier solutions are either research the higher tech to get more ships or to uh, colonize more planets. And then the specific rules for that are just basic uh, it, basic math formulas that you can apply to most things. I can't say I understand the game, but um, it seems to have a lot of influences from Twilight Imperium, Stellaris, C- Civilization, uh, endless space, like Ryan said, but also a lot of role-playing games too. That that the the kids who are playing it really get into their factions yeah. and the interactions with other other people. Um, it is a very time-intensive game for the person running the game, which is almost exclusively Ryan. I think one another student has. Um, taken up the rule book and is running his own game. Is that I'm playing in that game. It's and he's playing game. in it. So, so, so much for saving time. So, would you would <laughs> we, you classify this we, we. still as a board game or as something closer to a tabletop role playing game? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it falls. Uh, actually. Closer between um, it, it falls. It falls much closer to board game, but I'm imagining just sort of a triangle here, where you have board game, video game, and tabletop role playing game at the corners. It falls like tilted towards board game, but with elements of video game and um, sure tabletop mm-hmm. role playing game. Um, and I think part of the reason it has such like a large presence as something that's akin to a tabletop role playing game is because everything is like everything is kept in a giant spreadsheet. And so it's like, this is just data. And then it's, it's your job as the player to organize this data and figure out what you can sure. do with it. And then the other thing is everyone gets to design their entire faction. So their, their species, their nation, right? Imagine it's, it's, it's almost like a, a Franken draft, but everything is sort of balanced. And then you, you create like a, an image for what your nation or species is like that is compiled from all these abilities. Makes sense. Um, have have you given any thought to when or how or if you will release it to a wider audience? Um, some thought. I <laughs> he thinks about it a lot, <laughs> and a lot a lot of it depends on me getting my act together to find out what can be done 
legally um, in terms of copyright and um, uh, how to make it available, um, even if it's even if you're giving it away for free, um, because this is a game that he did start in eighth grade, and so um, if there's anything in the rules or or something that might be proprietary, I want to make sure that that's not in yeah. the game, and I haven't put in the effort. Um, and I don't, to, to get it to that point, it's 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 not. It wouldn't be like any of the mechanics. It would be something like um, the name of a technology or the like um, the specific description I use to describe a sure. mechanic, so, something like that. Um, although I will say that in the case of perimeter stations, uh, I, they used to be called perimeter outposts, and you could build them around stars to take over that one specific star. And this was a year before Stellaris did exactly the same thing. <laughs> and I have proof of that. Um, yeah, man, that, that rule book is huge. And I, I hope to someday get a chance to, to play it someday in the, in the future. Yeah. I, well, I mean, if I have lots of free time now because my school is basically over for the year. And I'm on... In internship, it's an internship project, but it's a final project where I spend like two to three hours each day as opposed to five to six hours sure. in school. So I have like a lot of free time now and no homework. Yeah. So unfortunately, I mean, I'm not in the same boat. I have very little free time these days. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I have a list of somewhat more rapid fire questions to ask each of you guys to wrap up this little interview. Um, have either yeah. of you ever watched the show Inside the Actors Studio? Yes. All right. So some of these questions will be familiar, and uh, basically yeah, just give me like quick, off the top of your head answers. No, no reason to go like super in depth or or anything here. Okay. Uh, Alex, we'll start with you. What is your favorite TI faction? Necro. Ryan. Hakan. Ryan, what is your least favorite TI faction? Uh, I haven't played enough to figure that out, but I'd say uh, of the factions I've played, I've liked Muat the least. I've played like eight of the 17 factions. Okay. Uh, Alex, how about you? Ghosts. Interesting. I have PTSD from a game of ghosts with seven patients, Zendog, TG Welch, and I think Jaybird was the other person when I was a relatively inexperienced player and have not gone back to ghosts. Oh, you poor soul. Poor soul. Uh, Alex, what is what? What faction do you hate playing against the most? Mentech. What about you, Ryan? Necro. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> um, I like my tech where it is. Yeah. All right. So leaving leaving behind the world of TI for a few moments uh, to kind of allow the audience to get to know the pair of you a little bit. Uh, Ryan, what is your favorite word? Ah, uh, uh, I, I do not know. Um, I will come up with a suitably fancy word in five seconds. Perspicacious. <laughs> All right, define it. Uh, it's like especially able to discern detail. All right, Alex, what is your favorite word? Tranquility. Nice. What is your least favorite word? Cancer. 
Ryan, what is your least favorite word? Beehive? <laughs> All right, we're going to we're going to pause. There has to be a story there, and I want to hear it. I do not like bees. Bees are terrible creatures. Um, I know they produce honey, and that's fine. But also, bees are scary, and you should stay away. So this is, this was back when I was like seven years old. I was traumatized. I'm not allergic to bees, but um, we have this Russian like sage, which is just like this plant with purple flowers and stuff out front. And the bees used to love going near it. And so when I was young. I was playing outside, and it was my birthday. It was uh, it was my birthday. I was really happy, um, and then I felt a buzzing sensation as something flew up under my shirt and stung me in the armpit. Oh, no. And uh, yeah, that was fun. Small child tra- traumatized. I hate bees. Uh, beehives are terrible, uh, but you know apiaries are fine. Okay, all right. Uh, Ryan, what sound or noise do you love? Uh, just like in term in terms of music or just like a random sound effect anything whatever comes to mind uh for random sound effect i'd probably have to say it's like the klaxon sound from star wars because that just that's just like my instinctive alarm sound so it's like something is wrong (laughs) all right uh alex what is your what is a sound or noise that you love (laughs) i love the sound of wind blowing through leaves on an aspen tree Man, you are so New Mexican. Yes. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? I hate overlapping noise. Um, so multiple things going on uh, at once. Um, but I would say kind of a single noise, metal scraping on metal. Okay. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to throw out a random guess and say your least favorite noise is the buzzing of bees. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's, it's recently been changed to the extremely high pitched bark of a certain dog. Okay. Yeah. That's not high up on my list of favorites either. Uh, Alex, I, I know you're in a, a profession that is worthy of high regard, but, uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I think I would have liked to have been a, if, if I had not been a doctor, been a professor of history. Ooh, of history. Okay. Uh, Ryan, looking into your future, what profession would you like to attempt? Um, I really want to be a mathematician. Uh, and if that doesn't work out, well, I've always got game designer to fall back on and potential computer scientist. And is there a profession, Ryan, that you very specifically would not like to do? Uh, just from what I, I... I know my parents' work is important, but I don't think I could become a doctor. I don't think I have either the stomach for it or uh, the ability to just wake myself up at any hour of the night and respond to someone's call. Sure, that's fair. And uh, Alex, what profession would you not like to do? mortician uh, uh for our final question a, a james lipton classic alex if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates 
you can go back for a little bit longer. And Ryan, how about you? Um, trying to think of a clever one-liner, but I can't think of anything. <laughs> um, I, I guess, uh, I, I would wish that um, that in heaven you could just uh, replay and relive all your life's experiences endlessly. So your life is just one loop that you just keep replaying. All right. Those are some pretty interesting and uh, uh, introspective answers. I appreciate it a lot. And I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your, your days to chat with me about board games and stuff. Um, and I think that, that about wraps it up. Great. Root, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. It has. And, and a great thank you to Matt and Hunter. I would not have gotten so obsessed and involved with this game had they not made it accessible had they not cultivated this community where we can meet on TTS or meet at Gen Con and I've met just a lot of wonderful people and I enjoy uh, interacting with them and, and playing the game with them The fire's nearly out and you probably need a refill. Thanks for listening from Matt Martins, Hunter Donaldson and myself, Alec Keeler I hope you had a cozy time, and I'll see you again for the next one. Thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music, which you can find more of at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com.